Hi everyone, welcome to the Empower Women series of April. We are very lucky to have with us Meredith Pensek. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Jordi? I'm doing excellent. Uh, Meredith was very gracious with her time and she hosted today Planning for Long-Term Care, which is one of those topics in this year's calendar that is a very emotional topic for most of the people that attend the event. It creates a lot of uh, thought after the event. <laughs> And um, we're expecting to have a lot of follow-ups with you now that they've got a chance to chat and hear from you for an hour. And uh, we're, we're kind of like going to try to dig in into all those very emotional topics in the next 10, 15 minutes and see if we can maybe summarize what you were able to present today. Sounds like a plan. I do have to start with one question. Go right ahead. Um, when you email Meredith and she responds back, you're going to notice in her signature one little phrase. And the phrase says... By allocating nothing for long-term care, you allocate everything. What did you mean by that? What I mean by that is by not having a plan in place for eventually needing care, you're really exposing a lifetime of savings uh, to risk, as well as exposing your loved ones to step up to a plate of caregiving that maybe they hadn't bargained for and maybe you don't want. So by not preparing for long-term care, you're really leaving an awful lot on the table at risk. I see, I see. And that's exactly kind of what I took. That it was almost like by not preparing, you are actually making a conscious choice of not preparing. I would agree with that. Okay. Um, yeah. In your presentation today, the first couple of slides, uh, they they were provided information about the context of how important this is, the scale of how big this is. This, and by this, I mean the elder population growing and not taking care or planning for the financial stress that they will encounter later in life. I noticed a couple of statistics that definitely took my, <laughs> my, my eyesight went to. One is the expected age, uh, life expectancy. And I, um, you, you say that men are expecting maybe to live around 84 years old if they are 65 today, and women are expected to live around 86 years if they are 65 today. I actually would add that um, Harvard uh, did a couple of studies a couple of years ago, actually, and that is even larger when it comes to the top earners in the country. It, uh, there's a difference between men of 15 years between the bottom income and the highest income. And women is around 10 years, which is a lot. It's a big difference. So if you're in the top 10% of income in the United States, you're almost expecting to live 90 years old compared to the median. Um, why do you want to point this out today? What happens now with people living so much longer than they used to is hand in hand that goes along with requiring assistance at some point. If everybody died at a young age of a heart attack, we wouldn't really be sitting here today talking about long-term care. But the demographics are really leaning towards much, much longer lifespan. And again, what goes in, in concert with that is needing assistance, especially um, some kind of cognitive impairment because 40% of people over age 80 are gonna have a cognitive impairment. And uh, people with even simple short-term memory loss need some supervision. So uh, put as, putting aside physical ailments, simply having any cognitive impairment is really sort of an assurance that a person is gonna need help at some point or some kind of long-term care. 
uh, there was another number you definitely provided us today that uh, impacted me, which is 70% of the population will definitely need this some kind of long-term care insurance or a way to cover for their costs. They're, they're going to need some help because they're going to live a really long life and become frail and, and need some assistance. And, and women even more than men. Yeah. Um, women outlive men. And what goes hand in hand with that, again, is, is needing care. Um, do you mind for two seconds just talking about the scale of this in quantities of people in the United States that are going to that are going to be needing this. Uh, something that I saw on the slides was somewhere in the ballpark of around 47 million people in the next 13 years are going to jump into the 65-year-old range, and they will mostly baby boomers. And that's a lot of people. 10,000 uh, baby boomers are turning 65 every day through the year 2030. Yeah. So, and, and, and most of us put ourselves in that baby boomer category. And I predict that there's really going to be a shortage of resources when that happens. It's going to be harder to find care. And you're going to see a larger difference between the haves and the have nots. People who have limited resources and don't have any long-term care policies are going to find themselves in a tougher position competing with those who do. Okay. Now, um, I hear a lot of people coming out of the room really, really discussing, I'm going to go home. I'm going to talk to my husband or wife. <laughs> we need to talk about this. There was some kind of urgency after this talk. When do you think is the right moment to start actually discussing this? A tongue-in-cheek answer would be the week before you get sick or a diagnosis. <laughs> um, but but it's never too soon to at least think about it in terms of acting upon it. I find financially, once that last college tuition has been paid off, and people don't need their term life insurance quite so much, that's when they start focusing on themselves. So mid-50s is, is a common age. But I would say people from you know age 50 up until late 60s uh, will really consider this. And, it, and you're never typically healthier than you first look into it. Mm -hmm. So it's always going to be easiest to qualify for um, when you first do that research. <laughs> I love that little caveat there. You're never kind of ever healthier than when you started looking at this. And obviously that's correlated to age. Right, because as we get older, more and more things happen. Yes. Uh, everyone can think about themselves. It's just a natural part of the aging process, right? Yeah. And the more health issues you have, the harder it is to qualify for some kind of long-term care coverage. Um, uh, last month we had Susan Snow, who happens to be a director at uh, Uville, uh, which is an assisted living facility here in Lexington. And um, she actually was mentioned long-term care insurance as one of the solutions for paying uh, that kind of services. And uh, what she was reflecting on was how few people have the financial aspect of this cover. They, they mostly have their desire and goals cover, what they want to do. They talk and their wheel. And then they realize that the cost calculation was not necessarily accurate. And that they rely a lot on their own individual assets to do this. And that's a tough thing to do because if you live a really long life, your assets may not have kept pace the way you hoped they would. Um, that's true. So, and, and, and long-term care coverage will be uh, paying for assisted living or a nursing home or rehab, but primarily people nowadays tend to use it to age in place within their own home. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about that change in, in trend 
uh, I'm assuming 10, 15 years ago, it was mostly going to a facility, and now it's becoming more popular to stay at home and modify your home arrangement. We used to call it nursing home insurance. Um, now we call it nursing home avoidance insurance, <laughs> because if you're simply being given the funds to pay for the care through the policies, most people will choose within to use it within their own home. Um, I'm pulling up a slide for, obviously it's a podcast and so you cannot see me. <laughs> But um, one of the slides that also caught my attention is a survey that you presented um, talking about the expectation of who is supposed to be paying for this based on the, I guess, the care receiver. Um, and 50%, they said, oh, I'm going to pay myself. And that's probably okay. But in my eyes, all that tells me is there's another 51% that is expecting somebody else to cover that cost. It used to be thought that Medicare would pay for long-term care, yeah. but um, in reality, it, it doesn't. Uh, it pays towards the first 100 days of a nursing home if certain conditions were met, doesn't pay for assisted living or ongoing home care. And even if people think that they can self-insure the risk, some may choose not to because they worked hard for their money and, and they have goals after they're gone, like funding you know, grandchildren's education or a charity or leaving their money to their kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people might have to sell an asset when the timing isn't good or there's a tax consequence or the market is down. So um, mm -hmm. self-insuring does have it, its own pitfalls. In my opinion, the biggest pitfall is perhaps um, having to use a couple's resources for a sick spouse's care, and now the other spouse is living maybe 15 years past the first spouse and has reduced assets to, to pay for her care. Typically, it's it's the, the wife. Yeah. I um, In that same chart, uh, there was a big expectation for government, like you mentioned, to take care of this. And the rest is for the next generation to take care of them. I personally can tell from my own experience, this is a conversation, I'm 33 years old, my parents are early 60s, so they're getting to this conversation very soon. Um, I'm thankful to the industry that I work with and the people I get to interact daily. I have started that conversation myself, and man, it's tough. Like, yeah. you do not want to talk about end-of-life caring. And, and I would say when you do talk to your parents about it, you can, you know, say, look, it's coming from a place of love. I just want to make sure that as a family, we've talked about if you ever became incapacitated or needed assistance, what would you want to see happen and what wouldn't you want to see happen? And sort of use that as a path to go down to start the conversation. Hmm. Do you see a lot of uh, long-term care insurance being paid by the younger generation for their parents? Not so much. Um, younger generation has their own financial Issues. obligations <laughs> um, that, that they have to address first. But I will see sometimes an adult child who has significant assets um, who is on the younger side being able to fund their parents' long-term care, whether it be through a traditional or a hybrid product. Um, I want to get a little bit into the details of what some uh, long-term care insurance looks like and what do they actually cover and what definitely they do not cover. Okay. Um, so if I would purchase today a long-term care insurance for my parents, they're healthy and no, no, let's just say they pass kind of like top grade healthy exams um, and they're expecting to live around 30 years. What, what, what are the big things that long-term care insurance will not 
called very currently. Um, any uh, acts of suicide, an act of war, self-inflicted injury. Um, it's not health insurance. It won't pay for doctor's visits, prescription drugs, hospitalizations. It, think about what happens when you either leave the hospital or you don't go to the hospital and you need assistance. Um, I'll use my, my uh, I have a family member right now who's using the long-term care policy because he has short-term memory loss and he doesn't have full-blown Alzheimer's and he's not at the end of his life. He's still very active, swims twice a week but it's really difficult for his wife to take care of him. So she uses his long-term care policy for a companion so she can go off and have a life of her own on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and she knows he's well looked after. So it pays for care. That care is typically informal care, although it can be skilled care. And um, a a traditional policy is basically, um, think of it as what happens after my health insurance stops? That, that's how I would sort of look at that. It's kind of like an additional umbrella to cover. Right, because the, without that umbrella, you really have half a health plan, in my opinion, because you've got your doctors covered, you've got your hospitals covered, your, your prescription drugs, but what you don't have is beyond that. Um, I'm going to – so last year you were uh, – uh, very awesome with your time and, and uh, joined us for our Life as We Age event and it was very informative on some trends in the industry and there was a conversation about trends going in the long-term care insurance uh, policy industry and uh, and maybe this is going to be a little bit of a difficult question to answer but try me <laughs> I'll try you um, it, it seems right now that uh, the insurance market for long-term care insurance um, supports around seven billion dollars of all the need uh, for payment financial payments in in this aspect of the population, this part of the population, you're talking seven billion out of like seven hundred and fifty billion, so it's tiny. Yeah, um, mostly going unpaid. Just to just put that caveat there. So long-term care insurance kind of works. Um, this is one of those industries that everybody's going to get old. Everybody will eventually need to pay for something regarding care. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a huge aspect of the $750 billion a year not being paid. Yeah. Is this something that the long-term care insurance providers can tap on and start covering that part? So just to be clear, what, you, what you're wondering about is the people who don't have any coverage, where is their care going to, how's their care going to be funded? Yeah. So I imagine that right now it's, it's possible for long-term care insurance companies to cover a lot of this cost because just for their policyholders, just for though, the policy. yeah, not for anyone without a policy. Of course, of okay. course. But uh, if they become popular, everybody would have a long-term care insurance policy, and everybody's kind of certain to get old and need it, right? So I think that and this gets back to the haves and the have-nots. People who don't have any funding source through insurance to pay for their care. First, they're going to use probably their personal assets. Some people will rely upon their children or family members to take care of them. And and that burden factor is huge when that happens. And the the personal assets, certainly it's a choice to, Mm -hmm. to go that route. But as I mentioned before, it definitely has some pitfalls. And uh, you just sort of have to have your eyes wide open when you say, I'm going to self-insure this risk. If, yeah. if anything happens to me, I'm fully prepared. 
And I advise the people consider what the cost of care is not today, but what the cost of care is maybe 25 plus years out into the future. Yeah. That's really what we're talking about. Yeah, that's something really to consider. And uh, is there a place that they can go to actually start planning this or if they go directly with you? And that's probably the best place Well, to the start. cost of care, there's some widely published information. There's a website that I like to use. It's um, genworth.com forward slash cost of care. And you have a drop-down menu where you choose your state, and then there's a drop-down menu where you choose your city or your area. And you can take a look at what the cost of care is today and then move that little blue dot to the right, <laughs> however many years you want to sort of view what the costs are expected to be in the future. Awesome. So we're going to put that information in the, in the bottom of this podcast so people can refer it to. Um, where can they reach you? So uh, my email is mpensack, P-E-N-S-A-C-K, at L-T-C-I planning.com, or my phone is 617-332-5901. And uh, before we close this podcast today, is there anything that you didn't get a chance to talk today in the Empower Women Series event that you would like to share with everybody listening? I'll take your time. It can be long. <laughs> I would just say that it's really easy not to address the issue of growing old and becoming frail and needing assistance. It's the easiest thing in the world not to have a conversation about. But I don't think it's the responsible thing to do to ignore. It's the same reason why when you have, you know, a young family, you get term life insurance. It's the same reason why you do estate planning. It's because you love your family and you don't want to leave them in a lurch. So doing some type of long-term care planning is really the same process. You do it because not necessarily you think you're going to have a stroke or Alzheimer's or some significant health deterioration. You do it because you love your family. I couldn't have said it better. It's more like a personal, um, responsible thing to do than necessarily a luxury. Yeah, I would agree. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ray. This has been awesome. And uh, we'll put more information in the, in the information tab in the podcast so you can reach her, you can reach us, or we can reach each other and we'll forward information to her. Uh, my name is Jordi Mueller. This is Empower Women Series for April. And until next time, hope you have a good day. Thanks, Jordi. Thank you for coming.